On the fostering journey, couples can find themselves facing all kinds of situations that leave them feeling like a failure. In this episode, we cover what to do and how to support each other when that happens. That's coming up next. back to the Fostering Marriage Podcast, a podcast devoted to helping you keep your marriage the priority and making fostering fit into it. Today, we're talking about when you feel like a failure as a foster parent and how to manage through that. Yeah, this is, this is such a huge deal. Um, we have a lot that we've dealt with and experienced ourselves, and I'm sure that you have too if you're on this journey. That feeling like a failure and the follow-on emotions can be such a major thing. This can be a big deal just in parenting, period. But especially like when you're in a situation where you've chosen to foster, and then for some reason, whatever the situation is, you're feeling like a failure, and then you have follow-on guilt and whatever it may be that this can be an enormous thing that a lot of couples just don't know how to work through. Yeah, so for me, this topic is is pretty close to my heart because we had been talking about doing this podcast for a little while. Um, and then one day I was talking to a mom friend of mine and she's just one of those moms that when she asks, how are you? She's not looking for the fine and new answer. She's, you know, genuinely asking. So I started laying out for her just some of the struggles that I had been facing and um, even even some of the things like early days of fostering and how, you know, we brought these two little people into our home and the older one, I mean, there was just a struggle with some rage and out of control behavior to the point where it was physically abusive towards other people in our house And at one point, I mean, just really intense stuff. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it got to a point that I about lost my mind. And I went all mama bear in my head on this two-year-old. And I thought, oh my gosh, first of all, I'm not as good of a person as I thought I was. But further, who goes mama bear on a two-year-old? But I had to just walk away from that situation so I wouldn't do something that I shouldn't do. But it was shocking to me just the rage that came up in me at that behavior towards my biological child. Yeah. I mean, you have that instinct of, I must protect my kids who I've birthed and I have this bond with. And here is this, you know, pardon my word, outside child who's now in my home that is now being horrible toward me or horrible toward my biological kids. And it's a, how do I deal with that? Well, oftentimes we may not deal really well with that at all. Yeah. And, and two, I think, you know, it's, it's so funny looking back because it's been a few years, but this is early days and early weeks. I mean, there was no bond yet and it, it was really hard. So anyway, I'm sharing some of this stuff with this mom and she turned to me and she's like, Yeah. She goes, I can believe that. And she shared with me a story of a friend of hers who um, they felt called to foster. He was in the ministry and that's, you know, they're just really sweet people. They bring these two children into their home. There's a lot of behavior issues. And I mean, just a lot. And she responds poorly and not abusively, 
but not in the way that she would have expected herself to parent. And, and she wasn't the kind person that she thought she was in those moments, I yeah. guess is how I would say that. Yeah, I think you're bringing up twice now, you've brought up the issue of what is your held identity? Yeah. Meaning, who do you see yourself as? No, I'm, you, if you have this identity of, I'm a good parent, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm a kind, kind person. I'm loving. And then all of a sudden, you're triggered and you respond in some really bad way. What does that go against? It goes against what I call your held identity. You don't meet your own expectation of yourself. And the unmet expectation is so severe that then how do you feel? Like a failure. Like a and failure then you and can out then of control. And beat yourself and, mm-hmm. up and guilt trip yourself if you don't realize wow, my perception of me is that I'm good. I'm acting bad. I must be bad in that moment. It's an identity crisis is what's happening in that moment. And this is something that people usually never see. Yeah. Well, the story goes on with this mom. You know, she's struggling so badly and at some point connects with a high school sweetheart and it turns into an emotional affair and then it turns into a full-blown affair. And when... When my mom friend was sharing that story with me, my heart went out to that other mom because, you know, it's it's hard when you're fostering and then you feel this failure and you're just reaching and looking for ways to feel worthy and to feel accepted. And so when I heard that story, I came home and, and said to Joel, I'm like, yeah, I think let's go ahead and do this podcast because it's not just us that struggles with all the things, you know, and we have tools, we have training, and we have the ability to share information that can help other families. So that's why I'm excited about doing this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you're hearing one of the major origin stories of the Fostering Marriage podcast. These stories are the why behind what we do here. And we don't get paid to do this. Yeah. This is we 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 only spend money to do this. We don't make <laughs> money to do this. Our why is because we're trying to genuinely help people because we understand how difficult the journey can be and how it can wreak havoc on a marriage. Hence, your story about your friend. When you think about how how think about a person who went on to go on and have an emotional affair with someone. Think about how difficult the circumstances had to be for her and for their marriage and what's in the home, I hope that no one is sitting back judging her. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, was a mistake made? Totally. Was it a bad choice? Totally. Yeah. But you have to understand, whoa, 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 what happened that could have been prevented with better knowledge, better counseling, better healing, better information that could have mitigated the chance of someone going on and, and, and connecting emotionally to somebody else. There's so much more than just that surface level decision of, oh, look what the, the bad decision that this person made. It's deeper than that. It's more complex than that. Yeah. And so we want to go ahead and, and talk about, you know, when you're in these situations and you feel like you're a failure or you're on the road towards feeling like you're a failure, you know, what can you do? And And so that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, exactly. So you think about as a fostering marriage, like you've opened your heart, you've opened your home to helping children. Like you've got these really good intentions. You've got a lot of expectations of how things are going to go. 
and now reality is setting in and you are not handling things well at all. I can so relate to this. I mean, our story is also uh, inspires what we're going to talk about today Yeah. because there are moments where you realize, wow, I've never prepared for these kinds of triggers. Right. I've never prepared for these kinds of situations because you just don't know to. You don't know what the children are going to be like. You don't know how you're going to respond. So then you just react and respond poorly, and here we go. Here comes all of the negative emotional cycles. So Well, and I want to add to that and just sure. say, you know, sometimes you go through the training to become a foster parent, and I think sometimes you have the expectation that you know what to do and you've been trained. Yep, you're a parent, you're an adult, you've now got the information. Yeah, and so then it's almost like that expectation is now not met, and so that's just another thing of, man, I thought I could handle this. So other types of situations where that can leave you feeling like a failure are, one, you've got responses to your behavior. You've got feeling a lack of a bond and blaming yourself. We were just talking this morning about how we've had our kids for years, and that bond is still growing, and it is growing slowly. Yeah. The bond with our biological kids, intact, no problem, no issue. But people can have this expectation that, why don't I love this child like I thought I would? Why don't I have the bond like I thought I would? Why do I respond differently to them than maybe I respond to my biological kids? What is wrong with me? Yeah. And then here comes all of the of the negative emotion that happens. Other situations like feeling like a failure to your biological kids, if you have those. Feeling like you're failing them, you're letting them down, like you're hurting them. That was a big one for me. I mean, when... When we when we first got the two, I was so busy. I mean, it was a two and a half year old who needed so much attention in an infant, and I mean, I felt like all of my time was on them, and it was so hard feeling like I was letting the other two down. Yeah. So, what did you do in those situations when you were processing through and getting? Because did you ever let me say this? Did you get to a place where you were like, you know what? There is a legitimate thing here where time is now spread out amongst four kids. But then, if I recall right, you would then be very intentional about time with Josiah and Elise. Yeah, to spend I mean, time with them. I used nap time for the littles as more of just intentional one-on-one time. But it was hard because, I mean, I went from they got all 100% of my attention to way less. And it was an adjustment period. And actually, I remember us talking about um, feeling like we were going through the grieving process and how that was okay. You know, it's like we have lost something. We have lost what we had. And yes, it's for something greater and something better, but it's also okay to, to have that loss alongside the goodness of, of what you're doing. Yeah, I would agree totally with that. You know, that's another thing I don't think people expect when they come into fostering. You may even think like, you know what, we can do this. We have the home to do this. Our kids are capable of doing this. We can take this on. But what you don't expect is that it's going to be a loss and that loss may trigger grief. Mm-hmm. That may, because you don't anticipate that. Yeah, It's not a thing that's like, oh, our environment is really great. We can do this. Our marriage is solid enough. God is calling us to do this. 
And then boom, you're in the situation and it's a, why am I feeling the way that I'm doing? Why do I feel so sad? Why do I feel the anger that I have? So like another situation is feeling like a failure in your marriage and like you don't have anything left to give. Yep. I struggled with that too. <laughs> and you feel like I can't be there for my spouse. Yeah. I'm done. I'm depleted. And yeah. you know, for you, most of this was on you Yeah. because I went to work every day and you're taking the brunt of it and taking on all four kids every day. Um, yes, it's a thing we totally chose to do. But what I'm acknowledging is, is that you had it a lot harder than I did. You would be more exhausted, more tired, more frustrated at times feeling more hopeless mm-hmm. and because I'm at work. So as your spouse, I've got to be able to lean in your direction and acknowledge like this is super duper hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then another, you know, another type of situation is feeling like, you know, you're failing God. So for you, for believers or Christians that are listening, um, that you feel like you're failing God. If you feel called to do this, now you feel like you're failing as a person and you can start to question, was this a calling? Because this doesn't feel like one. Yeah. This just feels like suffering. I don't like myself right now. You may not even like your child right now. Or you feel like you're a complete failure in the eyes of God. So let's briefly get underneath the surface, if you will, of all this kind of negative emotion. Let's get under the surface of the way that we can think as people and how we can react how we can respond, and how we make decisions and situations. So with my work with the Chris Accardo team, every Thursday, Friday, we do this intensive. Um, and uh, it's a life intensive. It's going deep with people, helping them understand what holds them back, why they respond the way that they do, so they can start improving the way that they think, manage themselves, and you know go on to have better relationships, have better mental and emotional health. Um, it is one of the most powerful things I've ever been involved with in is leading people. So in that event, that one-on-one event, we teach a concept and it's a framework or a metaphor that's called your root system. So people are like wine grapes. The way that God made the wine grape plant is that the wine grape expresses whatever is in the soil where the roots are planted. Um, This is why I don't like Chilean wine because there there is a soil type there that you can grow a Merlot grape. And say it's the exact same Merlot you would grow in Napa Valley or in France. You will get entirely different tasting wine, all things being equal, simply because the soil type is different. And so the grape, what happens is the deposits in the soil come into the roots, travel up through the plant, and get dropped into the fruit. Especially when you don't allow the roots to have access to too much water and you allow them to stress and strain. You allow the fruit to stress and strain, not to dehydrate like a raisin, but to stress and strain on the vine because it builds up intensity and complexity within the fruit. Well, we as people are the fruit on the vine, and we express what is buried in our root system. We are so heavily influenced and trained as people to the point where until you get the details and the information You don't recognize the nuances and the details that are in your thinking, in your reactions, and in your decision-making that come from your root system. People generally think that they're their own person, and you are. We tend to think, oh, I'm going to be, for instance, nothing like my parent. I'm going to overcome that situation that happened in my life 
by sheer resilience and adversity or, or a push toward overcoming. You know what? I'm gonna, we pendulum swing away from parents at times if we grew up with difficult parents and we say, I'm never going to be like them. And then many of us go on to learn, wow, I'm responding and reacting exactly the way that my parent did. Or people don't recognize that and until it's shown to them because it looks and feels a little bit different. Or the person experiencing it, is, it has all the emotion inside and the stress responses that are happening in their body that are leading to that reaction or that kind of thinking or that decision. And, it, and when you're experiencing it from your parent, you're only an outsider. You're only experiencing that surface level response reaction, outburst, whatever it may be, that's coming your direction. And then you're only experiencing it by taking it personally or observing it. When it's you, you can miss it entirely. And my point of going underneath the feelings of feeling like a failure, beating yourself up, feeling guilt, many of us respond and react heavily that way because of our root system, because of what we experienced growing up, that now we don't respond well today. So what I'm not talking about is modeling behavior of a, oh, you do that same thing that your mom does, that little nonverbal, that tick, or you shift your eyes like your dad, or your humor is like your brother. I'm talking about more nuanced and subtle things that show up in your thinking and in your decision-making and in your reactions that are linked to deposit A, B, and C. So this may lead you to be like, well, Joel, it's like, how am I going to explore that on my own? You're not yet. But I want to give you an appreciation that this exists. Every person has a root system. We are the way that they we are for very specific reasons that we can pursue information like this. We can pursue that kind of insight to better understand the why behind the what. What I want you to give you an appreciation of it because some of this work you can start to explore and do on your own rather than sit and guilt, judge, and beat yourself up at the surface level simply because that's what we choose to do as people. I'm so bad. I'm going against my held identity. I thought I was a good person, and now I'm reacting so poorly. What's wrong with me? We beat ourselves up, we guilt ourselves, we judge ourselves, or we live in denial and hide from it. Oh, I'm not being that way. I'm not being that way. No, you're the problem. No, that's not right. I'm not responding that way. And that may be the state of your marriage today, that kind of communication. But we respond in all these different ways heavily because of our root system. Another factor is personality style. I'm not going to rehash the two-part series that we did on personality styles, but we haven't published a billion podcast episodes, so look in your feed. <laughs> yeah. Look in your feed and you're going to see that two-part episode we did on personality styles. So let's talk about control for a minute or feeling out of control. So you may be in a situation where you are something has triggered you and you are feeling that anger, that frustration. Let's just use that one as an example, where you are feeling what I call you're feeling out of control. So there's a spectrum to feeling out of control. There is the super mild, low level of feeling out of control, stress response in your body. It may be so undetectable to you or other people would not pick up on it. And then we come up the spectrum. 
to where other people could clearly see like, yeah, you seem upset, you seem angry, and you could see that as well. And you would probably term it as, yeah, I'm, just, I'm feeling a little frustrated. I'm feeling a little anger. Um, you know, I'm thinking Olaf in my mind right now in Frozen, where it's like, I'm feeling anger when he's in the boat with Anna. But we can come off of Frozen and come back to the episode we're talking about here. So you're in a situation where you're feeling out of control. And that spectrum can continue on to very out of control behavior that now is coming out toward other people in the form of attacks, accusations, um, very poor speech. It's it's anger filled. I mean, why? You could even go because further you feel to out of control. Abusive. Then you can behavior. go all the way to behavior yeah. exactly, where now you are physically abusing. So that's the spectrum. I want you to see super mild out of control response, stress response in your body, tightness in your chest, tightness in your head or your face, heart rate accelerating all the way to abusive behavior, you're out of control. So this is a great example because typically the people that struggle with impatience, anger, feeling out of control in really bad ways often come from high control upbringings, guilting, attacking, accusing, abusive. Because you look at how do people become abusive? Overwhelmingly, because they've been abused. Their worth and held identity is filled with shame. They constantly feel not good enough. They constantly feel like a victim to everything and everyone. And they're out of control and they're incredibly self-protective people. And then they go on to be abusive because they are such out of control people. Hopefully that makes sense. That could be you. If that's you, seek healing, seek therapy, seek counseling that you are expressing at the surface level your root system. This is an example of it. So you can see, it's like, why do I struggle with control so much and anger? And I can relate to these things, Joel, and why do I do that? It is going to be coming from your root system that you need perspective and you need information to see and be able to talk through at length the why behind the what. Because if not, you're going to probably stay repeating the same behaviors and the same cycles of thinking and emotion and reaction, and you're going to continue to then beat yourself up, guilt trip yourself, or even worse than that, justify your own behavior, that it's actually okay. And that's a form of victim mentality that, well, this child deserved it, this person deserved it, this spouse deserved it, and they're the one that's in the wrong. And then that's a long journey out of that yeah. to actually come to a place of healing and taking responsibility for yourself. Well, you're getting a little bit into, you know, what are some of the risks of not managing yourself well? Because that is one of them. Uh, living in guilt and shame and stress, uh, constantly feeling out of control, or even becoming very submissive. Those are things that result in in a from all of that and they're all expressions of a person's root system overwhelmingly you know negative self-talk is another one you think about think about what's that tape that's playing in your mind when you're guilting beating yourself up feeling like a failure do you see how now you're attacking yourself your identity went from i'm a good parent to now i'm a bad parent to the point where your held identity can shift from, I thought I was a good person, 
now shame leads to I'm a bad person. And now because you're bad, you're going to attack yourself with your negative self-talk. These are cycles that can be minimized, if not destroyed in people. You've just got to reach out and find, you've got to find the help to, to be able to work through these things, and which is a worthy pursuit. No one should feel bad that they struggle. No one should guilt or judge themselves yeah. because they're struggling with things. We find ways, techniques and tools to actually manage ourselves out of that to get back to a place of normal authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. So seeking worth in other ways um, or in unhealthy ways, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, is one of those things um, that that we might end up doing. So that's that's the connection, I think, just to make sure that's super clear for people. Your story yeah. that you shared about um, the woman who went on you know, to have the affair, that's this. Yeah. She's living in, in it, would it be fair to say enough shame yeah. and unworthiness? Well, and, you know, the, the story went on a little bit more. I'm not going to share all of it. But, you know, one of those aspects was she and her husband are working through that and have decided we are going to stay together. But just there, the words that were said to me was there's a whole nother level of shame added on top of the original shame. Exactly. And that's, it's, this is an extreme example yeah. of what we can go on to do when we don't have the tools and techniques to lead and manage ourselves more effectively or we don't have the awareness, the clarity on look at my thinking, look at my emotions, look at how I'm doing, I'm not doing very well, that it can drift to a place of making decisions you never thought that you would do. For instance, if anyone's ever had an abusive response toward their child, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've, that's not me. I don't do that. I would never think that I would do that. But look at now what you've done, and now look at that, another the layer of shame that you're adding and adding and adding, and it can lead you to finding ways to cope and numb. Yeah. So now it can lead to, well, this person's attention and affection becomes a drug. It now reinforces and feeds into that identity of, I am a good person, and this person is now making me feel good about myself where my home life, I don't feel, I don't feel good about myself. This is often not the, ascent, the center of, of, of people's, unfortunately, very bad decisions. Well, you know, and we're talking about a lot of further down the spectrum examples, but even I would say less extreme things are uh, lots of conflict in your family or in your marriage um, with just a lot of dis- disunity between the couple and living in disappointment with each other, you know, and you go may say, well, you know, we're not at that, that far extreme, but the fact is you're not living your healthiest marriage either. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we want to talk about how do we move forward? How do we give you some tools and some longer term solutions so that you're not even living in that? Well, it's just conflict. It's fine. You know, we yeah. want to move forward. And before, as we get, just right before we get to how to move forward, um, I was just working with someone recently, um, and there's some marriage difficulty going on there, and there has been for a while. And the person I was working with said 
that when he responds poorly to his kids, his spouse told him, I have never been more unattracted to you as when you respond like that. That is a response from a spouse that is, I'm so like disgusted, disappointed, upset. You don't get there overnight. You pack that bag for a long time. And that's where we can get as couples. We cannot allow ourselves to get to that point of disunity because you now have, you're starting to have two adults living in the same house together because we don't know, we don't have the tools and we don't know how to solve it. So with that, let's, uh, we'll get into now is how to move forward when you're struggling with this stuff in both like the immediate, and I think we're going to hit some longer term solutions as well. Yeah, we will. So first off is we need to recalibrate our expectations of ourselves, of each other, of our child, of our children. Um, you know, it's a it's a big shift. And maybe you've been fostering for a while, so you're like, well, it's not it's not a big shift anymore. But the fact is, if you're struggling, first thing we want to do is reset some of our expectations. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've met uh, long-term foster families that um, some sometimes a person can reach a place of such callousness, meaning like they're just calloused to the difficulty, to the to the to the person coming and going, that they can distance themselves from another child, another child, another child. Why? Are, look at the decisions. Look how bad they're doing. Look at that. Look at this, and it becomes this level of distance and detachment emotionally that. I would say is unhealthy because there's probably a lot of self-protection there of wanting to remove responsibility perhaps for what's going on in those, in those children, because it's a, I don't know what to do. Or there's just a lack of bond and therefore there can be a lack of care at, at those times. So even with that, it's really digging into yourself to see, it's like, what are my expectations of myself um, I think when it comes to, you know, this topic of beating yourself up and feeling like a failure, like, would you say that if you hold an expectation of basically, I'm just an okay person, <laughs> I'm not great, I'm decent, I'm, I'm just I'm decent. decent, Yeah. that you have a better expectation, or let me say it this way, you can give yourself more grace yeah. when you fail, because you already know, sometimes I fail. And I'm not a perfect person. I'm just an okay person. But this isn't a, you're an unworthy person. That's not what we're saying. It's very much acknowledging that you're going to mess up. I think sometimes when we think I'm a good person, it's almost this idea of I'm a perfect person without saying it, you know, And, and that's not, none of us are perfect. And so I like that thought of I'm decent, you know, I make good choice overall. Yes. I mean, we're choosing to foster we're people who are at least aiming to be selfless and caring and kind. So absolutely, you're a decent person, but you're still a human being who makes mistakes as we all do. Yeah, I think it may be easy for people, you know, listening to this to think like, oh, no, I get that. You know, I, I know I'm not perfect. Here's where to check yourself, guys. It's how do you respond when you fail? Because logically, listening to something like the show right now, maybe you're mowing or maybe you're in your house cleaning or maybe you're driving right now or listening to this with your spouse as you're heading down the interstate, whatever, right now, untriggered, 
you can hear that and be like, oh yeah, yeah, yes. I don't, I don't have an expectation of perfection. What? Well, hold on. Watch where you, how you respond. That's where to really see, mm-hmm. because you may respond like a perfectionist, because you go to responses of guilt, shame, judging yourself, beating yourself up. That's where or doing your that identity to is to your spouse, exactly, or to your spouse, exactly. Yeah. That's where you really see. Gosh, I I can struggle with levels of having this held identity of being a good person that's actually too rooted in perfectionism. Your emotional responses will give you feedback, in other words. Yeah, that's a really good, really good point. So taking thoughts captive, this is another practice. It's a long-term practice and you will get better at it as you move forward. Yeah, share some of your journey on this because you have done you're you have you are I've, I've worked with hundreds of people and i don't get to see everyone like i get to see you all the time well i'm the only one you live with exactly <laughs> and the one who counts the most you have done a magnificent job with this but share like your journey your story like your your insights and tips for people yeah i mean goodness it's been years since i went through my next level life event and i just i had a lot of held beliefs of lies and assumptions that I didn't even I didn't even know that I had them. I mean, somebody would have said to me, "Oh, well, you're just assuming this," and I would have been like, "No, I'm not." I mean, I re- I was that blind to it. And so when those things came to light, and when some of those lies that I was believing came to light, the the great thing that you know that we did is we took those lies, and then I'm like, okay, well, what is the truth? And I wrote those down. What are the lies, and what are the truths? And for a while, I was like, whenever I would feel out of control or I would feel this anger or whatever, I would just go, okay, what is the truth? And then what I realized I needed to do is go back and identify what lie am I hearing or feeling or believing right now? And then what is the corresponding truth to that? And it took time and it took practice. I wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, I'm good now. I mean, I had to process through it. And I think now, years down the road, I'm much faster to identify. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I did this process long before we even knew we were going to foster. And I grew a lot and learned a lot and, and became a lot healthier. And then we started fostering. And that brought up so many triggers that were maybe buried deeper down or something. I'm, I'm not sure how to express that. But I had to go back to those tools and I felt like I was moving backward. But the truth is, I think I was just growing even more. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. So if like when it came to our marriage, what was one of the most powerful lies that you would struggle with that then became a game changer for you once you got a hold of it? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. I think there was things about expectations that I believed that you had, even though you had never expressed them, they were, it was how I grew up and it was how my mom did things for my dad. And so I believe that, you know, I was just like, well, we want this to be this way. And I don't know whether it was the house being clean or dinner being ready or whatever it was. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember all the specifics, but when I realized 
that in fact, you didn't have those expectations. And when I asked you the question and I said, Let, let's just say it was keeping the house clean when you got home, you know, and, and I asked you, hey, is this important to you? And I don't remember exactly what your response was, but I think it was something along the lines of, well, sure, I'd love the house to be clean, but I would much, much, much rather you be content and happy and, you know, in a good place rather than stressing about the house. Yeah, there was situations. It's funny that you're bringing this is the one that's coming up because actually I shared this one with someone recently that remember I would come home and you would watch me watch and look around. And there was stuff all over the place because Josiah was up, he was playing, you know, the couches in disarray, toys were all over, and <laughs> I would walk in and it's impossible to not notice it. Yeah. But with your root system and your personality being a very high eye personality, that high eyes can feel judged and rejected fast. Yeah. And just especially if we've got a root system of certain deposits. And we're a high eye. Well, and plus, in addition to that, I wanted the house to be... Oh, that makes it even more powerful. Like, you have that desire. Yeah. And so what would happen? I would walk in, you would watch me look, and you would immediately feel what? Judged. Judged. (laughs) And then who would you blame? Myself. And? Well, and you. Me. Yeah. Because you've got to attack me. So what you can see back... What we can hear, guys, is that... It's, this is a version, this is what, what a version of victim mentality looks like. Mary Beth and I both struggled with it all through our marriage, that we would become victims to each other. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, because look at what's happening. My held identity is, but I'm a good person. Now you're attacking and judging me, and I'm trying to do well. And then the victim mentality comes in, and it's the thoughts of, don't you know what I've been doing all day? And I'm busy, and this is, you've been at work, and da 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 And here, and oh my goodness, that just brought up another one. Because it, (laughs) let's just share everything. But I remember when, oh, it was when Josiah was just a baby, and you, you came home, and you're like, what did you do today? And I was like, I will kill you with the daggers in my it, eyes. And it's, this was a, and how often, and look at today, how many years of marriage and we sit at the dinner table. One of the first questions out of my mouth to everyone every single day is, what'd you do today? Why, but why bother me now. am I asking? Because I genuinely want to know. Yeah. I care about what everyone's day was like because I was away working. Yeah. I want to know what you were doing. I want to know what the kids were doing and what they got into and how school went and what happened outside and who you talked to today and how those conversations go. Because I missed it all. Right. But what I heard in those early days is, were you productive enough? And it's so funny because I'm like, well, that wasn't what you were asking at all. But that's what I heard. That's what I heard. And why did you hear it? Root system, my friend. And lies that we tell ourselves. This is all going on in our heads, but it's all an expression of root system. This is hard to get to on your own, but hopefully some of you all are listening and being like, I completely relate or hear myself or hear my spouse in that. That's where to begin is because now you're starting to get clarity and labeling on your thinking and on your emotions. That's where the journey begins toward making better decisions and improving how healthy your thinking is. Yeah. So with that, I mean, asking questions of your spouse and discussing things with your spouse, you know, that was where for me, I'm like, okay, let me ask him, is this important to you? 
you know, and sometimes that's uncomfortable because you have to be vulnerable and maybe you're not in a place where you guys have practiced being vulnerable. So maybe start with smaller, smaller things and just start practicing having those conversations. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is so important to be able to have a marriage where you can be vulnerable and you can discuss your struggles with each other, Mm -hmm. where you can share and be vulnerable about, you know what, that was on me that I responded to you that way. That this is what went through my mind when you said that, or I heard that, or I saw that. And you can actually own it and you can apologize. Or you can do that with your kids when you know you've messed up. Some of us are too prideful. Some of us are too guarded. And some of us think things like if I admit failure with my kid, it's going to give them power mm-hmm. to be over me. That is all one big control struggle. It's I want to stay in control. I don't want to open myself up to be hurt potentially because that's what it feels like when we're not used to being vulnerable and we're not used to open you're not used to opening ourselves up. It feels like I'm going to be judged, attacked, or hurt in some way. Well, frankly, some marriages are in that state where if someone is vulnerable, they do get attacked. They do get accused because that's where you're at today. It doesn't have to stay that way. You can seek help, seek support, acknowledge that this isn't good, this isn't healthy. It's okay. Yeah reach out and start getting help from somebody. Yeah, when you said that, it made me think of even the thing that I've had to work through with that is it's much easier for me to apologize to our biological children than it is for me to apologize to our adopted children. And the reason for that is, at least for the one, is because I feel like if I admit any wrongdoing, his response is, well, I'm justified in how I behaved. And the fact is, if I made a mistake, I still need to own up to it with him as well. And yes, we need to work on his response back, but that doesn't mean that I'm off the hook. Yeah, exactly. Because as a leader and as a parent in that moment, you can guide and teach where there is responsibility on both sides. Yeah. You did this, you're responsible for that. You you can lead the conversation. It's like, hey, you know, little man, do you understand that? That that was a wrong thing that you did? Yes. Do you see that that was your responsibility? Yes. Where I messed up is how I responded to you. That was bad on daddy, and I'm sorry for that. That's where I messed up. That's what I'm responsible for. So you see, like, you're responsible for your thing. I'm responsible for mine guide to clarity as parents we're teachers as parents we we can be shepherds to lead through that conversation to bring clarity to decision making on your child's part and your own part well and the powerful thing in that is that sure he may not get it today or tomorrow or next week but eventually there will be a recognition of he did or she did apologize and own up and take responsibility. And if we aren't willing to take responsibility for our actions, why would he ever be willing to take responsibility for his? Yeah, exactly. And so don't be surprised if your kid grows up 
and they are a colossal victim to everything, everyone, and they will be very much expressing their root system. Yeah. And then in adult life, they will, you know, and I will, <laughs> they'll be sitting on my blue chair one day in my office <laughs> and I'll be asking them these things, guiding them to clarity. I know this is heavy. This is heavy. This is hard. But when it comes to it, like on that, on that kind of topic um, of root system and developing your child's root system, one of the most powerful but heavy things we can think about as parents is if someone were to ask your kids, bio or foster kids in the future, hey, describe your parent for me as you were growing up with them. What were they like? What do you want them to say? You have so much power and influence to shape that. Now be realistic and have proper expectation. (laughs) It's not going to be perfect. But the people that struggle the most overwhelmingly come from parents that struggled the most. It is as simple as that. Let that be a motivator that if you're not a pursuer of personal growth, counseling, therapy, stuff like what I do at work, then pursue it. Invest in it. Because that's what's going to help you hear the answer in the future of my parent was loving, strong, caring, kind, patient, listening, responsible. Did they admit when they made mistakes? Totally. Did they tell you that they loved you? Yes. Did they show you they loved you? Yes, they did. And you will see a person in front of you with great mental and emotional health and a held identity of worthiness. Yeah. And I mean, these are all things that we have to practice. We don't every become, day. We don't every become day, them every overnight. Week. And that's where, you know, we can hold each other accountable. I mean, hopefully you are in a relatively healthy marriage and both of you are willing to hold each other accountable in kind ways. But again, that comes back to being willing to share those struggles. Yeah. What does accountability look like for us um, over the years and how that how our journey of accountability, where it was, like to where it is today. Like, how would you describe that? <laughs> uh, a 180. I mean, I feel like if you ever called me out on anything in the early days, I would have been like, first of all, I would have been super defensive. Second, in my mind, if not out loud, I would turn around and be like, well, you did this. And it would become a fight. Or even if we didn't, because we didn't, I'm such a holder in of all the things. (laughs) So I would have just internalized it maybe and been angry or whatever, but there wouldn't have been any willingness to grow or any willingness to learn or anything like that. And then I think about, gosh, it was a week or two ago, there was something that happened between us and there was a break in homeschooling and, and Joel's like, hey, can I give you, you know, talk to you for a minute. And he's like, I just want to give you some feedback. And there was something that had happened and it bothered him. And so it was painful to listen to. I'm not going to lie. Nobody wants to be told that they've let somebody down or they've done something that's bothered somebody else. It's not a joyful, (laughs) pleasant experience, but he was able to share what was bothering him. I was able to just take it in and in that moment just be like, okay, I recognize I did that. I apologize for having done that. 
and I'm going to try to be more mindful in the future so it's not something that continues to happen. Yeah. So in my personality as well, that I can be passive and I can avoid conflict or not want it or just move on forward in my life. But that was one of those moments that I was like, you know what? This was a wrong response. Um, I didn't like it. You know what? I need to talk with you about it and I need to give you the feedback. Well, if my history with you is always bad, what's the likelihood I'm going to bring it up given my personality style? You're not going to Almost bring it zero. Up. Yeah. But if I feel we have the trust and there's the safety in the relationship, I will bring it up. Yeah. But what's one of the things that's helped me feel even more safe to bring that stuff up? You. That you're in a different place in your life now where you are more likely to receive that and not go to a, you feel attacked, you feel judged. Now I'm going to unleash all the stuff that you've done that I've never brought up with you, Joel. And here we go and we're off to the races. This is a lot of, a lot of married couples communication. And then we fight unfair and we do all these things in all these unhealthy ways. But then I was able, it was so great to be able to say, Hey, can I give you feedback? That is an invitational question. Yeah. Not a, hey, I have feedback for you on how you talked to me <laughs> earlier. I can immediately put you on the defensive with that comment. Yeah. But I do an invitational question. Hey, can I give you feedback? And your response was one word. Yes. I, you're a high eye personality style. Again, go listen to the personality styles episodes if that doesn't mean anything to you. But point right now is high eyes don't like criticism. They don't like feedback that's going to be negative. We brace for it. And then we start to struggle and we can become huge victims to the other person. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. You were just hearing it that way. That wasn't my intent and all this defensiveness and self-protection. But your answer was yes. Mm-hmm. And then I simply shared the situation. And then you were simply a, you know what? I'll watch for that going forward in the future. Yeah. And then it was, I said, thanks. And we moved on with the rest of our life. Yeah. And now it's a story I've probably shared two or three times with people I've worked with to demonstrate step-by-step healthy communication and what it actually sounds like. Yeah. Well, and and I'm such, like I said, I've said so many times on this, I'm such a stuffer. I don't want to say things. and, And I will justify all the reasons why not to go to you if I have a problem. And it's funny because there was this thing, and it was fairly recent, where I, again, it's it's something I'm still working with because it's just my personality and it's who I am and it's how I've practiced being my whole life. And so to break that practice is difficult. And I'm sharing this because I know there's other people that are just like, I just don't want to say anything. And I think just taking those little steps and be willing to make the effort is is huge and it is a practice um so finally you know the last the last tool that we want to give you to move forward is to seek help this isn't easy stuff um and so you may need more training or knowledge you may need counseling there is no shame in any of that i think we we don't want to admit that we need help sometimes but it's okay because 
everybody needs a level of help. Yeah, I think I I think if everyone went to um, and sought personal growth or mental emotional growth help, um, if everyone did who actually should, I think that would be the only industry that existed. And I, I kid you not, because most of us need it. Most of us don't come from perfect upbringings. Most of us don't know how to talk through situations. We don't know the script. We don't know the back and forth communication. We don't have those tools. And even the healthiest people need a lot of help with things at times, especially when it comes to communication. Yeah. And I just want to throw this last little thing in there. (laughs) And it seems so silly because we've been talking about these deep, you know, get counseling kind of things. But get a babysitter. Find some respite care. I mean, seriously. It's like the best best counselor you can get sometimes is your, like, is just your 15 year old down the road. Take a break and get away from it. Because when you can step out of a situation and get some refreshment, replenishing time, yeah, totally. it it's, makes a world of difference. Yeah, we're doing that right now. We are. We are out of, um, if, you, if you've listened to the entire time we've done the episodes, uh, we are back at our friend's lake house um, and enjoying ourselves and recording episodes and going for walks and just being able to be together. And we try to do this at least once a year, if not twice, where we get away without the kids. Um, it's difficult, but it's a matter of how much of a priority is your marriage um, to actually be able to figure that out for yourself. And I know that's not realistic for everyone. We're all in very different situations and we have different levels of support networks, but it's go after it, yeah. figure it out. How do we solve the problem? If not now, when, and continue yeah. to make it a priority. And if you can't go away for a weekend, can you get away for an evening? That's exactly. Cause a lot of, a lot of you guys, that may be where you're at. I mean, how many couples do we know? That's like, they don't do date nights. Oh, I have so many friends who are like, we haven't gone out in years. And I'm like, Wait, what? Yeah. So, I mean, go out. I will babysit your children for you. Yeah, we'll help go you out. out. We live in Middle Tennessee. Come see us. <laughs> All right. Well, again, everybody, failure is inevitable. We're going to make mistakes. It's how we respond that's most important. So, guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review it wherever you listen. It helps other fostering marriages find it. And follow us on Facebook. We just started a Facebook page there. Um, called Fostering Marriage. So follow us on Facebook at Fostering Marriage. There's a tiny little following there right now. But if you have questions, you can always find us there and message us if you want to reach out, if you have a question or need some help with something. Um, Or if you just want to follow the page and follow when we put out a podcast or put out some helpful piece of content. But uh, we just started that Facebook page just recently. So you can follow us there on Facebook. So we hope this has been helpful for you. Join us now on the next, join us on the next We hope this has been helpful for you. (laughs) Uh, My wife is laughing at me. We're going to do it while you're laughing at me. (laughs) Hope this has been helpful for you. Join us on the next episode of the Fostering Marriage Podcast. See you then.